0: One person, he says that there was a certain perfume that he was really interested in, but it's a very top brand, and the minimum they cost is £170 for a bottle. So he didn't have the ability to buy one. Then one day he went into somebody's house, into their bathroom, and that person had toiletries from that perfume company, which must have been worth several hundred pounds sitting there as just general toiletries, you know, hand wash and stuff like that. But for that person, it was a casual thing because it was another level. So there's levels. What level has Allah placed you at? Do shukr at that level. As long as, you know, you have to be happy with the level. If you pretensively try to get to another level, that's a problem. If Allah takes you to another level, that's different. But otherwise, stay at your level and be satisfied. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyidina Muhammad wa alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa salama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin amma ba Imam Harith al-Muhasibi he continues in his risalah he says wa'alam anna mahabbatal ghinah ma'a ikhtiyarillahi li'abdihi al Fakara wa wa Mahabbat al Fakri ma'a ikhtiyari Allah li'abdihi al-ghina jawrun wa kullu dhalika harab min al-shukr wa at-tadyi'un lil-awqat min qisari ilmi This is quite a profound statement um a lot of people struggle with this a lot of pro- people struggle with the idea of um voluntary poverty and anger at not having what others have it's a major dilemma for a lot of people it keeps them awake at night it keeps them frustrated because maybe they've not been able to make investments like others have been able to or they don't have a job that pays them as much or they don't have a husband that can buy them what their friends husbands can buy them And for the other people, it's the other way round, lesser, on a lesser level, it's the other way round, that they don't value what Allah has given them. So what he says, this is essentially what he says, he says, know that love for wealth, despite Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala choosing for his servant poverty, is anger. It's basically anger with Allah. It's forcing yourself to become angry for no reason. Dasakhut in Arabic, when it's sakht, the the concept of becoming angry. Dasakhut, when you put it into that verb form, then it becomes uh, more of a sense of a forced anger or a pretensive anger or a non-reasonable anger. And then he says, the love of uh, poverty, the love of poverty, the love of needy, love of being needy, I would say, Um, faqr, is actually means iftiqar which means the need for something someone else uh, which why would you do that because you think yourself poor that's why so a fakir is the one who's needy that's why they use the word fakir for somebody who is needy for people's help and assistance and money and food and so on but they also use the word fakir for the one who's in need of Allah who has considered himself in the path to be looked after by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to get close to Allah so essentially they call Sufis uh, That they call them Fakirs as well and you wonder why it's because what it really means in its essence is need need that's really what it is la ilaha illallah so the love of being needy uh, obviously not to Allah that's not what it's speaking because that's recommended because we are in need of Allah we can't escape that even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen for that servant enrichment and wealth and abundance, then that's oppression. He calls that oppression. And he said all of this really is away from the middle path because both of these are not the middle path, they're both extremes. What the middle path uh, would be, and he says each of these things is either running away from shukr, for, uh, thankfulness, gratitude for what Allah has given you, Uh, لِقِلَّةِ الْمَعْرِفَةِ Because you just don't know enough of why and what's the purpose behind these things and the benefits behind these things. And he says it also leads to wasting your time because you're wasting your time in the redundant. If that's what Allah has chosen for you, accept it and take it and fulfill the rights of that position that Allah has given you. Otherwise, you're wasting your time in trying to do the opposite, to get to the opposite. Now, obviously, as you know, there's a lot of wasting of time to try to make more money or to try to get more. There's no doubt about that. That's, that does take a long time. But Allah has given us a, the, the stream that we have, that we're on. To get more than that, you're going to have to make more effort. That's a waste of time. And you're not doing maybe... There's, there's going to be negligence. Generally, there's going to be negligence. Where very few people are able to make a lot of money if it's not just coming easily without... Sacrificing a number of other things. Because it, it all requires sacrifice. People don't become wealthy just like that. Most people don't. And likewise, the other way around, which is a bit more complicated, if you already have a lot, a lot than to try to have nothing, why would you do that? There's a, way to, there's a way to deal with that. There's an easier way to deal with that. So he says all of that is a wasting of your time due to just having... A deficiency in knowledge Uh, what is this this principle that he's laying out this advice that he's giving what's the background to it some of it is clear to understand some of it is a bit more complicated because I think many of us I think as I said the majority of people are trying to become wealthier than they are and they think they're needy now what does need mean what does poverty mean that's relative There's people who have very, very, very little and they think they're fine. And there's people who have a little and they they are poor and they need because they have to keep going to ask and they're constantly worried about what's going to happen tomorrow and whether they're going to be able to feed their family. And there's other people who have a lot and they have abundant more than anybody else and they still think they are in need and they still think they have to because they're competing with somebody else. So whenever it's an unhealthy form of need at whatever level you are, that's what it refers to. That's why I believe that israf depends on the person and their culture and what they have. If you're used to a certain, and and it's easy for you to have that standard of living, which may be a lot higher than somebody else, but that's just normal for your, your family. You don't do any extra effort for that. That's what you do. Then israf for you will be beyond that. But this would be israf for somebody else who's much at a lower level. The simplest way to understand that is um, an example that once we were in Hajj in the European tents, you know, the European American tents in in Minna, which is of a decent standard. Even there you get a few different classes. You know, you get some without the ACs and some with the ACs and some that are slightly smaller, better, more plush uh, sleeping facilities and others that just have a little rug on the floor and you have to take your own sleeping bag. And you do get that difference. So once what happens is, as you probably know that there's always those people that then uh, sneak in or however they get in and they then sleep on the streets outside the tents and they put up rough shelters or they just put a sheet on the floor and they stay there. They're generally from other countries, they generally not, they don't have permits to come for hajj. So what happens is that the people in the tent uh, from primarily from the UK and Um, maybe some Americans or whatever, they started feeling really angry that why are the Saudi government doing this to these people? Why are they leaving them on the street for? So there's a lot of frustration and uh, rightly so but maybe misplaced completely. You know the emotion was right maybe but so I said look the thing is that they're not supposed to be there. You know they have a system of accommodating this many pilgrims and each area has their own. According to the standard in those areas I mean uh, according to their country and according to and each country has probably you know, higher standard tents and lower standard tents it's what you pay for, you get so they, they're not really supposed to be here they come in here and then in a day or two on the second day or third day they'll make it a market You know, they'll start selling everything and they come here for a reason and they've chosen to do this because they can, they can deal with this we couldn't sleep out there I said you guys could not sleep out there Like, you could not do a hajj like that. That's why you've paid for this. There's other people who could not even do your hajj. That's why they've paid to be next to the jamarat in absolute five-star tents where they have food running the whole day and ice cream available whenever you want and, and so on and so forth. That's not what you've chosen. That would have cost you like three, four thousand pounds more. But you've chosen this, and they've chosen that. So that's not israf. That's not Israf. The other story that, that I, um, I think I may have mentioned to you before is when I was studying in Saharanpur. Uh, that's in UP. And generally people there are poorer than they are in Gujarat because Gujarat state has a lot of people outside so they tend to be a bit wealthier. So, but there were some Gujarati students there. I was from England and I was there with uh, my uh, wife and child living in a house outside and not in the madrasa. But when they had to do a bit of shopping Uh, After class and then we had to go somewhere. So I took this student along with me He was not a UP student or from Bengal or Bihar or one of the poorest states. He was actually from Gujarat, okay But he didn't come from a very wealthy background either So quickly what we did I went into a shop and I spent 200 rupees 200 rupees and very quickly just bought like a few things that I needed for the house because I had a family with me 200 rupees is about just two pounds something about three dollars, two pounds something. It's not much money, right? That was kind of my two, three day shopping. And I came back uh, and then we went wherever we needed to go. And then after that, next day in class, he says, you did so much, like you did, uh, how do you say that in English? You squandered so much money yesterday. You know, squandered so much money, it's like Israf or Tabzeer, you know. It's like, I, I didn't realize like, what he's saying, like, what do you mean? You go to England, I mean, you, can, you spend, can you go into any shop and spend just two pounds now, like any supermarket, you know? It's like impossible, right? Okay, we are talking about 20 years ago, but still. So, you see, where he was coming from, he, he got a monthly stipend from the madrasa of 40 rupees. And in, ten, in five minutes, I had spent five months of his salary, his stipend. So for him, that was like... You know, it's like somebody takes you to a really posh restaurant and they spend, I don't know, a thousand pounds there. In one meal, like, are you crazy? You know, we just about spend 40, 50 pounds if you're lucky, you know. Uh, and this is like he spends several hundred pounds. It's that kind of crazy. So you see, everybody looks at it from their perspective. And if what you're doing is just normal for you, not pretensive, not over-the-top, not arrogant, not for show, then that's your level. One person, he says that there was a certain perfume that he was really interested in, but it's a very top brand, and the minimum they cost is £170 for a bottle. So he didn't have... The ability to buy one. Then one day he went into somebody's house, into their bathroom, and that person had toiletries from that perfume company, which must have been worth several hundred pounds sitting there, as just general toiletries, you know, hand wash and stuff like that. But for that person, it was a casual thing, because it was another level. So there's levels. What level has Allah placed you at? Do shukr at that level. As long as you know you have to be happy with the level. If you pretensively try to get to another level, that's a problem. If Allah takes you to another level, that's different. But otherwise, stay at your level and be satisfied. That's what he's saying. He's saying, Because at the end of the day it's the faith. We have to get by in the world, but then it's the faith that counts for the purpose of the hereafter, for the ultimate life and he says wa anna iman al ghani la yuslihuhu al fakr wa iman al-faqir la yuslihuhu al-ghina kama jaa fil khabari anna Allah ta'ala yaqul in min ibadi man la yuslihu imanahu illa al-faqr wa law aghnaytuhu la afsadahu dhalik wa inna min ibadi man la yuslihuhu imana illa al-ghina wa law afqartuhu la afsadahu dhalik wa That that really hits it on the head. He says because ultimately the the asset of value that we need to be concerned about is our faith and developing that faith and maintaining and preserving that faith, augmenting, enhancing, strengthening that faith. So he says that the faith of a wealthy one, uh, poverty can never reform that person's faith. It'll be very hard. It'll be very hard for that person to be reformed by poverty and the faith of a poor person cannot be reformed by cannot be reformed by wealth or substance and then he quotes a hadith a hadith al-Qudsi, he says a hadith al-Qudsi so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that among my servants are those whose iman can only be Enhanced and uh, made better by poverty. I know that Allah is saying that that is what's good for their iman. And if I had enriched them, it would corrupt them. They'd be corrupted by wealth. There's a lot of people who've been corrupted by wealth. I mean, you must have seen it. There's a lot of people who've been corrupted by wealth. They were fine when they were getting getting by. And when they had too much, they just changed their character. And it messed up everything, their behavior, conduct, outlook. And he says, there's some of my servants whose iman can only be reformed by Rina, uh, by, by independence, by wealth. And if I was to force them into need, that would corrupt them. Essentially, this is almost like saying, ridha bil qadah. Ultimately, that's what it is, right? To be satisfied with Allah's decree about you. This doesn't mean that if you are genuinely struggling that you don't make an effort, the effort is there. But effort for what? That's, that's the thing. Everybody makes an effort. The wealthy make an effort, the poor make an effort. But what are we making an effort for? We make an effort to be satisfied. But then what satisfaction? That's the question. And how does one gain a satisfaction? for a balanced satisfaction because some people are not satisfied with abundance and some people are satisfied with less well the Prophet gave us many ways of doing that didn't he He said don't look at people above you in wealth because then that is what you'll be encouraged to do and others are saying don't be uh, uh, in fact look at the people below you so you can actually have thanks it's a dilemma. It's a dilemma, the world is a dilemma. The world is a fitna. The world is, it's a, it's a necessary, it's a place to be in because that's where we are and that's where the value is to be able to prepare our hereafter but otherwise difficult. So let's just say you've got a house and you're trying to now decorate your house and you want, because you, you, you wanna do some other work uh, which is uh, more important for you. You just want to decorate it to a decent level and then carry on so you talk to somebody you see other places and Somebody gives you an idea. No, don't get that paint. Do it a very specific color do a so uh, do a would you call it? Uh, the the one wall needs to be special. What do you call that a feature wall and for that? Oh, there's special wallpapers and finishes and and all of that you can do for there I'm like why? Why would you know that? I just need just basic decent white paint and get on with it. Said, no, that's where you're going to be bringing your guests. So, you know, it's something you do once and for all, it'll last you 10 years. You know, you're not gonna do it every two years or whatever, some people do actually. Do, I I did know somebody who used to decorate their front room and middle room maybe as well, every two, three years. What an effort, SubhanAllah. That's like literally I, I live to be here no subhanallah it's a com- it's a crazy one so this made the person quite confused because just wants to get it over and done with he made it confused I said should we do that then then discussed with his wife and said no 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 this so he says we've got a feature wall already it's going to be the books the kitab's they're going to be the feature wall that's the feature khalas finish you just need white paint alhamdulillah there's no end to this otherwise and it's not haram that you Decorated. It's not haram either. This is what's your priority. What do you want to do? You just want something function functionable and decent That that's where it gets confusing That's where it gets confusing because the dunya will provide to you Mashallah it lays down, you know, everything bihadhafeerihah The dunya will lay down all of its glamours all of its adornments and there's no end to it of what you can get from, you know intricate decorations to intricate finishes of you know everything it's just you can do it yes you don't want to get the cheapest that's another dilemma you can't get the cheapest because you're going to be fixing it again soon so you can't get that either so then it requires you to make an effort to find the right balance the right quality at the right price and the right standard and it's difficult it's confusing some people enjoy this, and they thrive on it, Allah make it easy. I guess it depends on what your goal is, isn't it? If that is your goal, that's your showpiece of your life. I worked hard and this is my showpiece now, let me invite you into my showpiece. It's not just a place of temporary stay, but it's a showpiece that I need to show you, this is my accomplishment. A lot of get, people get caught up in that. May Allah protect us. There's a, there's a, there's a temptation that's difficult. So this hadith um, is related, this hadith al-Qudsi that we just read. Hadith al-Qudsi, it's related from Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. That la ilaha illallah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi sallam related from Jibreel alayhi salam, who related from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, So that's the beginning of the hadith that I just mentioned earlier. That whoever humiliates, disgraces, um, thinks lightly and looks down upon a friend of mine, then he's essentially called for a war with me. He's declared a war with me. And then it carries on. It's a hadith related by Abu Ya'la, Bazar, Tabarani, and Ibn Abi Dunya in Kitabul Awliya. In a book called Kitabul Awliya. So, this is what a person should think. This hadith tells us that what a person should think, which is that if Allah has. I, I dealt recently with a person who has a very advanced position in a particular field of research, like cutting edge, extremely important research um that is a really important it's a it's a really important aspect of human life and research and he's made a lot of money in that but he's become religious and turned to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and now i think it's the shaytan who came to him and said you need to give all of this up go and retreat somewhere and and uh i i spoke to him i had him speak to another big shaykh and ended up that we both said to him that it's a mistake what you're making. Because you may feel fine about it for a few months afterwards and then you start missing it. Because you're not used to that. And what we want you to do is, so until now you were in full dunya. Your your whole pursuit was the dunya. And now mashallah you've got the consciousness uh, and the conscience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you want to make it full deen. But you can't really escape the dunya. Uh, you just have to make sure it's not in your heart uh, And what you have is an asset That you can help a lot of people with uh, Both in terms of influence of position And the expertise and the money You know there, There's a lot that you can do So what we need you to do And this is what the accomplishment is, is That you marry the two together So you carry on But then you are uh, making sure That you maintain your faith Enhance your faith Make up your kavar prayers etc etc And make sure that you are able to achieve both so now what happens is that when you start doing that because you don't know how to do that there's a lot of people who don't need know how to balance the deen and dunya the faith and the world they've been so much into the world they just don't understand they think that ulama don't have any fun or righteous people don't have any dunya at all because why why do they think that because generally a lot of the time when we mention the stories of the righteous ones we mention the rather extreme stories, the per- stories of absolute perfection, where um, people like Imam Ghazali saying you should have nothing, you know, the absolute zuhud stories. And that's they are, they're valid stories and they're good stories, but they're not easy for everyone to attain, not, not straight away anyway. So they, they misunderstand where they're supposed to go with this. So what happens then with such people is that they go either back too much into the dunya because they don't know the balance or they go, I mean it's probably less too much to the deen because uh, the dunya pulls further. So you have to help them balance themselves to get both right. Uh, And that's important. Then their work will become, their dunya will become deen. When they're doing that for the right reason, that will become a source of reward for them as well because you just have to change the intention now. So why give something like that up? May Allah make it easy for people to move over. Otherwise, a lot of people think that there's no fun and enjoyment in the deen. It's dry and um, there's nothing there. saqam The next point he makes is fi والسقم فمن عرف الله لم يتهمه ومن فهم عن الله رضي بقضائه ولو لم يكن لاهل العلم الا هذه الايه لكفتهم وربك يخلق ما يشاء ويختار ما كان لهم he says the same dilemma people have with regards to الصحة, uh, regards to good health and bad health When you're in bad health, then you want good health. Of course you want good health. Um, and you should want good health. I mean, you can have good health. But of course you can also decide with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I'll leave it to you. And likewise, if you have sihr, why would somebody want saqam? I'm not sure. So, but he says that whoever knows Allah, the main purpose is that when you know Allah, the whole purpose of all of this is that once you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that He cares for you, especially if you're doing the right thing and it's not going to be a punishment. As long as you're making an effort and you love Allah, then Allah will love you, then Allah loves you anyway. So the main thing is that whoever recognizes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not be suspicious of Allah, will not accuse Allah, will not have bad ideas about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And whoever then understands this from Allah, Whoever understands Allah's wisdom and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's decree gets an understanding of it, gives himself up, He will be satisfied with Allah's decree, and then they'll make the most of the situation they're in. That's why he says that for the people of knowledge, if they can, if they just had one verse, that would be sufficient. This one verse just gives them everything for the people of knowledge, those who have an understanding of how, who need an understanding of how things work. Within the divine realm. And the verse is Your Lord creates what He wishes and chooses what He wishes. Your Lord chooses and creates as and what He wishes, they have absolutely no option. It's Allah's choice, so go with that choice. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a balance. May Allah grant us a balance. May Allah grant us satisfaction with what we have. And when the, sh- when the dunya does come to us, if it's good for us, Allah allow us to accept it in the best of ways. And if it's not good for us, then Allah do not indulge us in it. Do not allow us to become engrossed in it and in the pursuit of it. Utility, utility is important. Utility is important where you do something for its benefit, but you better have your idea of benefit right. All of these things are subjective, that's what. I'm only doing it because it's useful, like what do you mean by useful? How useful it is? Is it? And the way to find out if we're going wrong, or if, we, if we're thinking it's too, uh, if, we're, uh, if our idea of what's useful and beneficial is a bit beyond what it should be, then we ask others. Ask two or three people, and you'll get the right kind of idea from them as to where the balance is. Find people that you respect for their moderation. Find people that you respect for their balance. And ask them, what do you think in this situation? And that's how you'll get it right. These are practical considerations because subjectivity is a really big dilemma for a lot of people. People think haram things are correct for them or justified for them because of a subjective way of thinking about them. So we can't rely on ourselves many of the time. We have to ask others, and I think that's how we'll get a balance. May Allah grant us a balance. Wa aakhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil Allahumma anta as-salam wa minka salam tabarakti hathan jalali walikaram. Allahumma ya hayya qayyum bi rahmatika nastakhith. Ya hanna ya manna la ilahe illa anta subhanak. Inna kunna min al Ya Ma'din al Judi wal Karam, Ya Akram al Akramin, Waya Khair al Waya Khair al Moutin, Waya the Jalali wal Ikram. Jazallahu anna Mohammed mahu a Halu. Allahummahfil lana worhamna. Allahummahfil lana worhamna. Wa afina wahdina worzukna. Allahummahfil ummati Sayyidina Mohammed in Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahummahfil lil Muslimin or al Muslimatu al Mu'minin or al Mu'minat al Ahia imin humm al Amwat. اللهم اغفر لموتان المسلمين الذين شهدونك بالوحدانية وما على ذلك اللهم اغفر لنا ولوالدنا ولمشايخنا ولأساتذتنا ولأولادنا ولأزواجنا ولإخواننا ولأخواتنا ولطلابنا ولكل من له حق علينا ولكل من أوصانا بالدعاء اللهم ارحمهم وعافهم وعفو عنهم Ya Allah, we ask you for your special mercies, we ask you for your love, Ya Allah, we ask you for your benevolence, we ask you for your generosity, we ask you for your ihsan, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, we ask you, Ya ar Rahimeen, we ask you for your rahmah and your forgiveness, your maghfirah, forgive us our sins, O oh Allah, especially those that we have forgotten, O oh Allah, we ask you forgiveness for those sins that create darknesses in our in in our, in. In, our, in us, O oh Allah, that bring about darknesses in our homes, that bring about fitna and, and, dis, and discord within ourselves. O oh Allah, forgive us our sins that have taken the blessings away. O oh Allah, forgive our sins that have become entrenched in us and we don't even consider them sins anymore. Ya Allah, enlighten us. Illuminate our path, guide us aright, grab us by the forelocks, and put us on the path of paradise. Put us on the path of your satisfaction, O oh Allah. Make your obedience beloved to us, and make your disobedience hated in our hearts. O oh Allah, bless all of these scholars that we benefit from their books, who we read that guide us. O oh Allah, send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Bless all of our mashaykh, all of our sheikhs, all of our teachers, up to the Prophet Allow us to be with them in their company in the hereafter. Allow us to follow the best of their lifestyles in this world, the best of their approaches. Oh Allah, allow us to remember you the way they used to remember you. Allow us to thank you the way they had thankfulness for you. Oh Allah, grant us the satisfaction that you granted them. O Allah, grant us the halawa that you had granted them. O Allah, grant us the unsiyah and the congeniality and the harmony that you had granted them. O Allah, grant us the balance that you had granted them. O Allah, bless us and grant us beneficial knowledge. O Allah, and righteous actions and satisfaction with your decree, contentment with what you have given us. And O Allah, you have given us abundantly more than so many others in this world. O oh Allah, all that is required from us is to thank you. But Oh Allah, we have shortcomings in our thanks. Oh Allah, forgive us our transgressions, our shortcomings. Oh Allah, our weaknesses, our inabilities, our incapacities. Oh Allah, we ask that you make us complete beings the way you would like us to be. Oh Allah, make us like the way you would like us to be. O oh Allah, put us on the path of your messenger Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam make every sunnah of his, every aspect of his beloved in our heart and facilitate for that to become part of our life. And oh Allah, allow us to become true Muhammadis, true representatives, oh Allah, both for the benefit of the Day of Judgment, so that he can recognize us and he doesn't turn his face away from us. And for people to understand who Prophet Muhammad SallAllahu Alaihi was truly was in this world. Oh Allah, there's no other way they will find out who the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi was unless they accept uh, with what we can display on ourselves in, in, and the behavior that we can show them. Oh Allah, make this easy for us. O oh Allah, make this easy for us. O oh Allah, bless us and protect us from all the evil which is out there, all the temptations and the difficulties which is out there. Fulfill our permissible needs, make it easy for us, and allow allow our our perspectives to be in balance with your with what you are pleased with. O oh Allah, protect us from extremes, protect us with the wrong form of subjectivities. O oh Allah, grant us. Grant us a blessing in everything that you do for us and accept us for the service of your deen. Accept us for the service of your deen. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wassalamun ala mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, And that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam. And you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures. But you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.